Hey everyone, MJ from the Edit Bay here once again. This episode was recorded during Sarah's recovery from her ankle, so she's recording in a common room of her house. Um, as such, you will hear some background noise sometimes when she's talking, but it's not that bad. Just uh, heads up, expect that in future episodes until Sarah is able to get back to her recording equipment. Hello and welcome to Let's Jewels for a Minute, the podcast which took a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's masterpiece and is now setting sail into uncharted waters to discover the world beyond Jaws. My name's Sarah. And I'm MJ. Uh, yeah, so this is this is the first post minute by minute episode of Let's Jaws for a Minute. Um, uh, on this episode, we're going to be talking about Jaws 2, um, the sequel to Jaws, and for the next three episodes including this one we will be talking about each one of the jaws sequels not minute by minute but as a whole um Mm -hmm. so uh starting at the beginning which is the second one um this is a film from 1978 roy scheider and lorraine gary are back um and there's another shark in amity (laughs) Uh, That's the story of Jaws 2. It's Jaws 1, but again, kind of. Uh, it, it, it's definitely less of the, you know, high seas adventure stuff and deals a lot mm-hmm. more with the uh, the politics within the island and the, the dynamics uh, that happen on shore um, with that and, and Brody's sort of paranoia and PTSD informing his uh, decision-making or clouding his judgment in certain um, sections of the film. But that, I mean, that's quite literally the plot. I guess the, the real plot is that the shark is terrorizing the teenagers of the island, of which Michael mm-hmm. Brody is now one. So it's it's Michael Brody and Larry Vaughn Jr. Um, mm-hmm. are, and their friends uh, yeah. are terrorized by the shark, essentially. There's some other people who get eaten by the shark, but that's the <laughs> So, um, yeah. Uh, film stars Scheider, Lorraine Gary, Murray Hamilton... Joseph Mascolo, Jeffrey Kramer, and was directed by Geno Swark. I hope that's how you say that. (laughs) We definitely didn't practice beforehand. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) We got that pronunciation from a website that we had never heard of. So if we (laughs) did it bad, blame the website. It sounded correct. It As looks, you that said looks it. to me like how you would say it based on how yeah. it's spelled. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's Jaws again. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, what did you think about Jaws 2? You'd seen it more than I had. This is only my second yeah. time seeing it. Yeah, it's it's so funny that like you're just calling it like it's like Jaws again because when I was uh, talking about it with Martin earlier, I was just like Jaws two even sharkier or Jaws yeah. two even Jawsier or something yeah. <laughs> something yeah. along those lines. Yeah, um, all that Jaws. Jaws all the, oh, that Jaws. 
that it did not take us long to get in that pun that we shamefully overlooked for 80 episodes of uh, <laughs> of breaking down jewels minute by minute, but well, all the, that jewels. The, the real embarrassing <laughs> one was what if we if we would have made it all the way to all that jazz without. Yeah, yeah. That would have been considerably worse. Um, this is the film that has uh, arguably a better tagline than than the original Jaws, and is often one that people attribute to Jaws, which is um, it's uh, when just me thought it was safe to go back in the water is the tagline for for Jaws two, and that is a it's a it's a pretty great tagline. Yeah, it's also, <laughs> I have to admit. Yeah, it's a great tagline. It's also got a pretty great poster too. I really yes. like the Jaws two poster a lot. Yeah, and and weirdly, I mean, this is a, a fairly recent thing. We'll we'll get into talking about the film in a moment, but um, Sperry have just the the shoe brand have just bought out a, a new range of uh, Jaws sneakers, which are very cool and inaccessible for me for ankle and uh, geographical reasons. Um, and the the one that is sort of like the like the slip on, isn't it? Um, yeah, mm-hmm. the sort of slip on shoe uses like the Jaws to shark and female water skier rather than the sort of classic Jaws poster, which is a, an interesting choice, but it's a very, very cool image. And I like the poster a lot and I really enjoy that particular scene, but we'll, yeah. we'll get onto that. Um, yeah, this is, I've not seen Jaws 2 as many times as Jaws. That well, <laughs> feels yeah. like it's stating, <laughs> stating the obvious a little bit. I have seen it a few times. It's, has gotten worse the more times I've watched it, but I still <laughs> enjoy it um, quite a bit. I I really have to distance it from Jaws, which is very hard to do when when you have Roy Scheider and and sort of um, some of the other characters uh, appearing in it again. It's it's hard to sort of like create that distance from it. I have a better Jaws two in my head, which we'll we'll get onto a bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, it does a lot of things very, very well. And more than anything, and I think where I'd like to start in sort of talking about it, is how much it really leans into that idea of being a slasher film. Yeah, We brought it up a ton in, in how Jaws is a slasher film, and it still is. Uh, and Jaws 2 kind of takes that idea and just really runs with it. I mean, this this shark is sort of pursuing the particularly the you know the the group of teenagers um it seems and is kind of targeted as well more so than or seems to be more targeted than than it is um there's a a shot sort of later i I didn't grab the timestamp for this but it's around an hour in when those group of divers they sort of have like a lucky lucky escape from the shark um and you sort of there's a really great shot that's not from the shark's perspective, but it's almost like the camera is on top of the shark um, as it moves on from the divers to the next victims, like the, which is the the teenagers in the distance. And you sort of see it make that calculated choice, like the divers aren't going to be the sort of easy catch, but yet here's this vulnerable group of teenagers mucking about on the water that it can go and snack on. And uh, we can get into how believable or not believable it is that a shark would make that sort of calculated choice, but right. it's moments like that that sort of really lean into that slasher idea, that sort of seeking out of the of the victim. But 
I'm very interested in your thoughts on this. I know we differ a little bit in our opinions on, on Jaws 2, but having only seen this a couple of times, mm-hmm. I, I'm interested if you, if post watching Jaws minute by minute, this time watching Jaws 2 kind of changed anything for you. Um, so I liked it slightly more this time. Um, mm-hmm. I think the first half is actually a little bit stronger. I think the movie really runs out of steam and ideas after Brody mm. gets fired. <laughs> um, from that yes. point on, it is a slog, though. Like, I thought it was pretty boring the first time I saw it. I thought it was slightly less boring, but it's still pretty boring. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I think Scheider's good in it, and I think the John Williams score is kind of underrated. It's There's good music in this movie, like, kind of throughout. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, it definitely leans into the into the slasher thing uh, a lot, and, and it's funny because we obviously we talked about that with Jaws, but here it is purely a slasher movie down to like the messaging of like uh, horny teenagers must die. Like mm-hmm. that is the that's essentially the shark's plot in yep. this movie, <laughs> and that's the plot to Friday the Thirteenth, and mm-hmm. this movie is two years before Friday the 13th and the same year as Halloween. So Mm. it's really interesting to kind of see that, you know, in order for Jaws 2 and Halloween to come out the same year, they would have been largely made around the same time. Um, Mm. So it's kind of interesting to to see that that Jaws has this sort of proto-slasher thing on its mind before it really became the established, like, conventional wisdom of what a slasher movie is or could be um you know it's it's easy to be like because obviously everything's got to innovate in order for something to iterate right and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. jaws we know innovates uh sort of i mean there were slasher movies before that with like black christmas and peeping tom and even psycho um but this is the one that kind of lays the blueprint for like you can see the dna of halloween in jaws but now Mm -hmm. we have jaws 2 where it comes out the same year, so they're not really influencing or ripping each other off. I don't know how much knowledge, you know, this crew would have had about what was going on with Halloween or how much knowledge the Halloween crew would have had what was going on with Jaws 2. Um, I mean, I guess they were both filming in California, so maybe. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just really funny to kind of see how that trend wind up almost accidentally. But it, that's something that I feel like happens a lot in movies. So, like... Um, well, obviously just the whole, like, and it happens a lot in horror. So the whole slasher genre kicks off essentially with Halloween. Um, and then Jaws 2 is, is sort of in that vein too, but it doesn't get talked about the same way, like Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th do. But then you have like, I think it was 97 when Armageddon and Deep Impact came out. I think 95 Mm -hmm. was volcano and dante's peak 94 was wyatt earp and tombstone (laughs) like it it just (laughs) tends to happen right there was even a couple years ago there was that disney jungle book movie and then the andy circus jungle book movie Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so it's just like it's weird how these things kind of like the trends kind kind of follow each other and it's it's really interesting thinking about jaws 2 in that context because like it is through and through a slasher movie like start to finish way more Mm -hmm. than jaws yeah, this is why I was I was kind of pumped for us to for us to talk about it. Like, given how much we spoke about that idea with Jaws, I feel like Jaws two just leans into that idea so much more. And where Jaws has that sort of high seas adventure element in the second half, 
this second half of of Jaws 2 like really kind of goes all out slasher film with that quite extended set piece with the with the teenagers sort of out on their out on their boats and I absolutely agree with the wind coming out of the proverbial sails of this film that moment that that Brody is is fired it also (laughs) I don't know if it's just the if it's just the film it's just a coincidence but that also seems to be the moment that Roy Scheider stops giving a shit (laughs) about this (laughs) really good in this movie until he's really bad in this movie (laughs) yeah the the bit where he is 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 drunk and talking to um, that's the best scene in the movie that's my favorite scene in the whole movie (laughs) when he's singing like hail to the chief and everything like it's great but it's very like it's so out of character for him because we've seen him drunk and rambling on the boat before but it's such like a goofy like joking around Brody that I just I don't know it, it feels very strange uh and also so, go ahead I I don't want to get to like the the right at the end of the film but I cannot wait to talk about how much I hate the the sort of blowing up of the shark moment and how <laughs> much they try to make it like Jaws and how much it fails it's quite yeah. spectacular but uh yeah sorry but go go ahead with you <laughs> so i think right so yeah we'll get into this right now um brody has the most insane lawn decoration i've ever seen um and <laughs> it, it is a yellow barrel from the orca that he has turned into a planter for some reason um, unhinged <laughs> yeah that is bonkers behavior that is like oh, this is someone who needs therapy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Desperately. And I'm not saying that, like, hanging on to trinkets that are memories of, like, people you were close to that passed on is a bad thing. But that that particular deployment of how how to do it is insane. (laughs) The thing is, like, the the idea of it with the right execution, I feel like could have made that... (laughs) This under Spielberg's hands would have been a very, very different moment because it wouldn't have been used as a fucking planter for a start. It would have, like, you know, it could have been discarded in Brody's front yard or something and and there'd been, like, more of a moment because as I was thinking about it this time with my my LJ fam hat on, Mm. it was, like, to, to Brody, those barrels represent what sort of saved them in the end, that was what he and Hooper paddled back in on. If you look at it in that way, it is representing that, you know, it's the life jacket for Quint, but sort of flipped the other way around, isn't it? It's the, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, he they must have still been, well, you know, Quint said that the moment of sort of rescue was the, the most scared that he felt, but Brody paddling back to shore, that was probably the most elated, <laughs> apart yeah. from like the actual blowing up of the shark moment, just knowing that, safety is there that that home is there they just have to hang on to those barrels and 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 keep kicking or whatever it is like if spielberg had been directing that moment and this is no shade on 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 this director at all but it it could have been a a bit more of a a nuanced moment because there is no nuance to this and it really lingers on that moment as well like i swear brody like stands there and stares at those planters for a while and it's in it's insane <laughs> <laughs> so but all that said i think he says wwqd what would quint do and then goes uh-huh. in and does his goofy 
like i almost feel like that moment is his like like the the same kind of like fuck it come what may energy Mm -hmm. that quint tends to have he emulates in that scene where he's talking to hendrix Mm-hmm. So I could see him like pausing at the barrel, reflecting, and being like, "Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna channel my inner Quint for this situation." Yeah, there's some stuff that I kind of wish the film had leaned into a lot more, which is this idea that Brody, Brody and Quint now have this link, not just because of the experiences they shared on the Orca that we saw in Jaws, but this idea of like a past trauma and how it affects them. And there are some moments that we see Brody in this film where it is clear that he has a drinking problem. It's not just in that moment where he is being goofy. There's a moment when he and Ellen go out to the truck and there are a load of, you know, beer cans on, on the floor. And a lot of sort of, there's, there's other sort of small moments in the film as well, where it just seems like, that is now becoming Brody's coping mechanism for what he went through on the Orca. And again, that moment handled with a bit more nuance could have had a lot more to it. And it's, I think just the casual viewer to Jaws 2 isn't necessarily going to be picking up on those things, but us and and a lot of sort of hardcore Jaws fans with the right hat on are kind of seeing those moments of, of, of Brody drinking a lot more or using that as a coping mechanism and going, Oh, (laughs) like quint did you know making yeah. making that link there and they they could have done so much more with that idea but i do like that that stuff is there that gives me something to to grab onto and just leaves me with a little bit of hope at the end of this film that there were at least like good intentions with some of the choices it made yeah and i think a lot of that has to come from gottlieb right like he because he, yeah. he co-wrote it right or did he is he the only credited writer on it i don't remember Mm, good question. Um, I have the IMDb page Carl in Lee front and of Howard, me. Howard Sackler, also. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, whoa. Uh, and anyway, so he's also taken up smoking. Um, because in the first one, we don't really see him smoke. We see him take that cigarette from Hendrix and smoke that. So we know that mm. he has smoked in the past to like cope with the stress of like everyone on the island. But uh, uh, Ellen has a line where she's like, that's your third cigarette this morning. He's like, it's with my coffee. <laughs> um, <laughs> implying like, oh, I've got it under control, which could be code for his drinking problem as well. Um, but mm. like you said, the film doesn't put in enough legwork uh, to really drive either one of those ideas home. Um, and mm. so the, it's just, it's these kind of dangle, dangling threads. And I think that's my biggest hangout with this movie is like, it's weird because there's like a lot of moments of like pretty good visual storytelling, but there's a lot of like really lazy stuff too. So like um, the first thing I noticed is uh, at the very beginning of the movie, like minutes into it after the initial attack, which sucks. Um, uh, okay. Sorry. Um, so I took a picture of this and I don't know how well this will show up in discord, but mm-hmm. um when we're following Brody home, or we're following Brody to the 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 thing for Ellen, there's just a a, a hair in the gate of the camera, in the mm-hmm. bottom right oh, yeah. corner. And yeah, I it's see it. So distracting. Like it's it's in there the entire time, from when he leaves the ferry to when he pulls up to the event. 
which means they <laughs> shot that all at once, even though it's not a tracking shot, and didn't bother to check the gate at all during the setups. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, so stuff like that happens in the movie, and I'm just like, so lazy, like, why? Why did no one check that? And, like, especially because, like, I have the Blu-ray. Like, that's the shot I took from the Blu-ray. Mm. And when they did the James Bond movies, there's, I think in Dr. No, there's a hair in the gate during an establishing shot and they digitally removed it because you can <laughs> do that now. And it's probably not that hard. Like anyone who's used the clone tool in Photoshop or GIMP or whatever, you know, photo processing software you use probably make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just feels lazy to me. Um, obviously, like they don't care about the Blu-ray releases of any of the sequels because the only way to get them on Blu-ray is to buy the three pack that has all three of them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So Universal does not care about these movies. And it, you know, the Jaws franchise is not the institution that the Bond franchise is. So I get maybe not Mm. dedicating that much TLC to the restoration of these, but I mean, it does look like it's upscaled a little bit. So you know, you're already digitally processing it to make it look good for the Blu-ray and it looks pretty good on Blu-ray. So then, Mm. Add the extra time for like as less than thirty seconds of footage. I can't imagine it would be that hard. Yeah, because um, they there are things that they can't correct, like how bad the shark looks in this, because yes. that's just you know a thing. But something like that, I I have never noticed that before, uh, and now we'll never be able to unsee it. So that is a very good spot, good spot right out the gate <laughs> in this, of just not the same care and attention that is i mean i don't want to be that person who is like this film isn't as good as jaws because i don't think anyone is saying that maybe maybe there are some people saying that a lot of people really really like this film so i'm i'm not coming for it i do enjoy it quite a bit but it's when we looked at jaws under the microscope that we did it's now very hard to watch anything without (laughs) without sort of holding up this you know this lens to it and and really getting into into these details and you mentioned that you you don't like the the sort of opening the opening attack or if we can even call it that because you don't really see anything yeah and that's the thing the the Chrissy in, in the first film, it so effectively sets up what the rest of the film is going to be. And this just doesn't do that. And there's a couple of things that really, really irritate. Well, one in particular thing that really irritates me about this is, so it's this pair of divers, they find the orca, but it is not the orca because no. that nameplate that they like zoom in on that says orca is not the nameplate from the yeah. orca. Yeah. I don't know what this imposter boat is, yeah. but it's not It's not the orca uh, yeah. in it's, any it's, way, it's, shape, it's, or form. It's the orca from the uh, Richard Harris movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just... It's, again, it's that sort of fine attention to detail. I really don't... There might have even been, like, bits of orca still kicking about. It is only three years after Jaws. Like, I know most of them got trashed, but... Had this been a sequel that they had been putting sort of more heart and thought and feeling into, those things would have would have been addressed. And I don't want to say this is like a a cash grab sequel, but it is very much a thing with films and franchises now, isn't it? That a film 
does exceptionally well, makes a lot of money, and they go, okay, let's make another one. This might be one of the sort of first examples of, of this consciously happening. I have not got any facts, evidence <laughs> to back that up. But just this, because Jaws was such a monster hit that it was, yeah. pun intended, mm-hmm. that they they then just go, let's get out a sequel. And three years after is no amount of time, really. And now sequels are churning out a lot quicker than that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. And this film does and doesn't work. But it's that feeling of of not putting as much heart and love and care and attention to detail into it to make it a really good film. It is just like, we got this person, we got this person, there's another shark because reasons, throw those things together and we'll make a fun monster movie. And it is a fun monster movie, but it's just, it's lacking those little, little details. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I was, I was thinking about, I'm glad you brought up the idea of the cash grab because like, Especially right now, as we're recording, we're uh, we're we're recording while two kind of sequels to some really big movies are in theaters right now: Top Gun Maverick and Jurassic World Dominion. And the thing about Top Gun Maverick, which is fantastic, if you have not seen it, uh, you should make the time to see it. But I, it also purely exists to make money. Right, so like it, it is a cash grab sequel. It's a very good cash grab sequel. <laughs> Excellent blockbuster film. So yeah. I don't think that saying like something's a cash grab is necessarily like a criticism of it. Yeah, but yeah, I think the difference is like yes, it's a cash grab sequel. Yes, it's trading in on the nostalgia that forty-year-old white guys have for Top Gun, but <laughs> it it's a good movie that people cared about making. And yes. Jurassic World Dominion exists purely as, and we talked about this on my other podcast, as brand maintenance to remind you, simply to remind Mm -hmm. you that it exists and so that your kids will want the toys. Yeah. Um, I've seen neither of these films, but I know all of that to be true. (laughs) Yes. No, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Jaws 2 feels more in line it feels like it's sort of this weird like missing link between both of those ideals um where Mm. i think you have the studio who just wants to trade in on two things one jaws and its success and two star wars right so star wars comes out in 77 and Mm -hmm. that thing moved merch like the the that is the movie that defined how films are advertised and marketed to this day. And so the studio sees those dollar signs in there where they're like, okay, well, Star Wars is a big hit and Star Wars sold all these toys. So Jaws was a big hit. Let's do this thing to remind people that Jaws exists so that more Jaws merch will move. Mm -hmm. But then they hire Carl Mm -hmm. Gottlieb who, you know, co-writes the first one and it's one of the greatest screenplays ever written. And so he still is coming into it caring about this product but Mm -hmm. it kind of feels like he's the only one and maybe the director depending on the day cared Mm. yeah i feel that (laughs) a lot (laughs) yeah it's it's hard i think seeing seeing the potential in this film and not necessarily having it 
having it all realized so well i think we'll, we're sort of getting into the we've spoken a bit about about brody and how his character changes but we'll right. we'll sort of dive into that a, a bit more um because the thing that i the thing that i really enjoy about this film and what it does well it does those kind of like it does do the slasher monster attack you know that fun side of things really really well as well arguably better than jaws does because jaws is not aiming for that that sort of that set piece i talked about at the end with the the kids on their boats that is just it's that's what you see in every kind of slasher monster movie now isn't it this kind of like big moment where there's a lot of characters there's a lot of risk and there's you know great amounts of of tension and it is really drawn out that scene as well that takes up a large chunk of of the film i do think this film is about half an hour too long and i think a lot of the fat could be trimmed but the part i am most interested in in this film and the bit that feels the least like that sort of cash grabby thing that we're talking about which as you said is not necessarily a bad thing but is is what they do with Brody and particularly what they do with Brody in the in the first half of the film because right. I think it really really effectively addresses his PTSD and we'll talk about that a bit more and then I will get into how I think I would fix Jaws 2 um and make it better but I I like what it does with showing Brody as this kind of changed person and we talked about him smoking more and drinking more and just he's a bit sloppy in the beginning Mm -hmm. as well like he shows up late to this thing he's not he's not the sort of the brody that that we remember i mean uh, in jaws he is quite new into the job you know a a few months or or less than a year at least that he's been working there because they moved there in the fall and it's now the summer so not even a full year has been spent in amity by the time we meet brody in the first film but now a few years have passed and there is this sense of feeling a bit more relaxed in the role but also dealing with this thing that that he went through and this fear that we see in him that it is history repeating itself that it's all happening again and he's clearly learned things from what happened as well as as we see with him parroting back sort of some hooperisms (laughs) at, at key moments but yeah, I uh, uh, I just want to talk about Brody. I do think Roy Scheider is one, is one of the best things about this film. Yeah. He's also very tanned and at least 10 times hotter than he is in Jaws. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is your favorite scene the part where he's got his shirt open in the... MJ, it's funny you mentioned that because I wrote that in my notes. Uh, <laughs> followed by... Let me find the emojis that I put next to it. Uh, it's the little flame emoji and the, the kind of sweating hot emoji as yeah. well. I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even have any further notes on that scene. It is just Brody in the office preparing poison bullets, shirt all the way unbuttoned, emojis. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like he's like much much more cynical in this film. Like even to the point mm. where like he's like catcalling what I think is an underage girl at the beginning of it. Like he's. Oh He's, god, I hate that. I hate that moment so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's so gross. Yeah, which I didn't pick up on the first time I, I, I watched it, and I noticed it today, and I was like, "Yikes!" Uh, yeah, um, big yikes. Yeah, uh, and like, 
But and and the weird thing is that like Ellen is just like, oh Martin, like yeah. she like smiles at him and like punches him on the shoulder, like, hey, stop. And it's like, wait a minute. He's becoming Quint. I don't know what yeah, to tell you. Yeah. That's what that's something Quint would do. No, I think you do <laughs> see like flashes of like, you know, of how he has become like Hooper and how he's become like Quint as well mm-hmm. throughout the, the, mm-hmm. the film. I mean, it, until the back half. And um, <laughs> you know, even like to immediately, as soon as the the killer whale washes up on the shore of Amity, to be like, we need a shark scientist out here, and like, kind of trying to like apply the knowledge that he learned from Hooper to it, and having her be like, ah, well, yeah, sorta, I guess, maybe, I don't know. Um, but then also doing this like weird Brody thing where he's super paranoid because he has that line about like, I know that dolphins communicate uh, through sound, and if a shark, you don't think that if a shark was destroyed, that another shark could could come and and. And he doesn't finish the line and the shark scientist cuts him off. And she's like, sharks don't take things personally, Mr. Brody. Hmm. Um, <laughs> which, you know, Jaws 4 completely disproves that. Uh, yeah, Jaws 4 is like, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like my tweet about it was like, vengeance in Jaws 4. And it was the gif of Key and Peel where he says, and I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> that made me laugh a yeah. lot. Uh, <laughs> it made me laugh a lot too. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's. What well, I I need to go back to my uh my notes that I found about Brody, but um no, I've lost it. Okay, go. <laughs> yeah, and and so he just keeps doing stuff like like even the poison bullets thing, right? So when he really thinks mm. there's a shark out there, he goes and makes these like, I was reading it like mercury filled bullets that he seals with candle wax and he keeps them from, uh from Hendrix when Hendrix kind of comes into the when Hendrix kind of comes into the uh the 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 office to talk to him about like his findings and he sends him to go get the the film from the diver's cameras uh developed and then he like takes them with him and then he hides them in the bathtub like it's very paranoid behavior Mm. and I'm interested to see if this is gonna be your um your improvement of Jaws 2 I feel like if this movie would have leaned more into that and more into, because this came out also in 1977, this leaned more into close encounters of the shark kind with Brody's paranoia mirroring kind of the Dreyfus obsessive compulsive stuff Mm -hmm. that he has Mm -hmm. in, in close encounters. I think this could have been a very compelling sequel and I know it's, like, much more limited because, well, there's a lot more you can do with aliens rather than, like, there's another shark. Um, <laughs> but I think if you put in the work for the character to, like, really spiral out of control the way that Dreyfus in Close Encounters does, it would be mm-hmm. a really interesting movie. Here we go. Here's my <laughs> crack in my knuckles as I share how I would fix Jaws 2. I would fix Jules 2 by there not being a shark. There is no shark. Oh. So I'm a- I'm absolutely on the same wavelength as you in terms of this leaning into to that yeah, paranoia yeah. and fun. everything else. <laughs> oh, that's thrown off my train of thought. Not shark club. <laughs> the first rule of shark club is there is no shark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> but this, it, it's how quickly Brody kind of 
jumps to these conclusions, you know, when, when that orca washes up on the beach and he's so quick to be like, it's a shark, it's a shark. And I think that the key the key moment for me where I really wish is the direction they'd gone in is when he has his freak out on the beach. Mm-hmm. I think that is one of the best scenes in the film. Yeah. I think it's great because of how much it it eerily echoes Jaws with the 4th of July attacks. Mm-hmm. This sense of everyone being on the beach and having a good time. And Larry is there trying to keep up appearances. And there's this group of, I guess, investors there as well as sort of like being being shown around and how lovely the beach is and, and everything else. And Brody is like up in his tower and they there's a moment when I think it's it's Larry and the other guy who I can't remember the name of, but they're they're lying to this woman and her little girl and being yeah. like, oh it's for it's a nature observation thing. And she's like, I've seen those. It's it's for looking out for sharks. Yeah. <laughs> and then he sees this this shadow in the water and what's great as well about how it echoes the the kids with the cardboard fin moment is there's no score in that bit either. And as we sort of learned in the first film, no score equals no shark. Mm-hmm. And it, it does turn out that the, the shadow he sees is, is just a school of fish and it isn't a shark. But the fact that a shark then does surface and is the cause of the problems, I think undoes so much of that good work and... I'm sure it would have been absolutely destroyed by critics and fans if they had paid to see Jaws 2 and there was no shark at all and the shark was all, in fact, in Brody's mind. But that version of the film is something I am so much more interested in because... It's a lot darker to you. Yeah, for sure. Brody experiencing these these flashbacks, these kind of Vietnam moments that that Quint must have been, been having as well. And going through all of that and dealing with that and dealing with his PTSD and we sort of see him still battling that fear of of the water as well when when he wades out and finds the that bit of the boat that's washed up and it's it's just a much and I wrote a whole thing recently on on 70s films and and how they really lean into that you know gritty paranoia <laughs> aspect and this is still in the 70s so they really could have they really could have gone there it could have been that film um and it isn't a, a lot harder to execute i get that yeah. <laughs> um and a lot of disappointed people who'd queued up for jaws 2 even jawsier uh to learn that there is in fact no jaws but it it hints at those it it hints at those moments and never gives them never gives them to me fully which which i find upsetting uh the fact i think that it what brody is fearing the most then sort of is what's happening i'm trying to explain this without sounding mad but it him sort of being like it's a shark it's a shark and, and kind of losing his mind a little bit and then it being the shark it sort of rationalizes what is quite irrational behavior from him and I just think that idea of it being all in his head is so much more interesting. <laughs> yeah, well, I think there's a way you could do, like, Rosemary's Shark with it, right? Where, like, she knows what's <laughs> going on with her body and, like, that she has been... Uh, in, uh, spoilers for the 50-year-old movie. Uh, <laughs> that she has been, <clears throat> at the very least, impregnated, uh, one, against her will, and two, um, that there are powers at work to keep her... Uh, so, so, uh, 
sedated. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. Sedated and complacent in what these people are doing to her. And like that sort of building of paranoia. And like, you know that she knows because you've seen it happen. Um, Mm. And so watching that. So I think almost if another way to approach it is like, if Brody does see the shark and he does know mm. and he's he's doing everything he can and people still aren't listening to him. I know that's sort of a rehash of Jaws, um, but I think that you could lean even more into that with him not having the backup of Hooper or even Quint later in the film that it's just him and he's on his own. And like everyone thinks he's paranoid now, like including Ellen um, mm. and leaning into that. I think that's a way to have the shark present and still and maybe have the shark attack less and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. really keep the shark at bay uh fun intended until <clears throat> until the end when it becomes undeniable like that just mm-hmm. have it show up at the end there because there's as much as i do kind of like this scene from a slasher movie perspective the scene where the shark gets his scars is the dumbest shit it's so (laughs) it's so schlocky like he attacks this woman on this boat and she um douses herself in gasoline uh it's extremely funny (laughs) i don't think it's supposed to be and then she shoots a flare at it and then blows herself up but the the shark gets these like weird scars across its face like it like it is you know, uh, Jason Sharkey's like it, it, <laughs> it very much is a slasher. That is the moment it turns into a by the book movie slasher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are having now talked about some of the, the best aspects of this film, which there's still some other really good moments, uh, but there's also a, a lot of dumb moments. So I think while we're on this track, we can we can talk about <laughs> some of those things. That bit is never not funny to me, and I really don't. <laughs> I don't so know if it's. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it is meant to be funny because I, I I rewatched it a couple of times today because I was like, it really does look like she pours that stuff all over herself intentionally. But I think she is just like completely freaking out, and yeah. she is just kind of. Th- She's just panicking and like throwing throwing this stuff everywhere. Um, is she the one? Oh, she is. I've called her fake Ellen in my yes! notes because she, she she basically looks like she is cosplaying as Ellen from the first film with like the the headscarf. I know it's the seventies, a lot of headscarves, but I refer to her as fake Ellen from here on out. Both times um, I've seen this movie because I forgot that this happened. Um, I thought it was Ellen that was driving the boat. <laughs> Until she it really, until yeah. she self-emulates, and then it's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, guess not. The th- the thing that makes this this moment so dumb is as well that it follows. I think one of the best sequences on the film, which is the sort of the water the water ski chase, mm-hmm. which is is pure slasher for a start, yeah. and it's also just really really freaking exciting. <laughs> it's it's a shark chase scene. I don't know what isn't great about mm-hmm. that no notes i mean everything about that is is something that i enjoy i like that they lean into that idea of it being like a kind of car chase type of thing as as well it's a really exciting scene and then we get this really dumb death scene and the shark getting its scars which is absolutely hilarious the effects are very very bad in that moment as well her 
basically setting fire to herself, the shark, and the boat, and everything blowing up is very, very funny. It's so uh, over the top, is the thing. Like, it is yeah. such a big explosion for how much gasoline <laughs> she had on that boat. And uh, the funniest thing about it is this old woman who doesn't notice the woman screaming at the top of her lungs, <laughs> like, desperately trying to claw her way out of her own boat. She doesn't take notice until after the explosion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's just kicking back on her porch like, <laughs> shark, I don't know her. <laughs> well, yeah, but like, we established that this woman sees the boat before she sees it blow up. There's like a yeah. shot of her on her porch watching all this happen, and then she's just chilling, and then we cut back to her chilling and seeing the explosion and being like, oh, something going on over there. <laughs> something happening. Something happening I should know about. Yeah, I... <laughs> Uh, just because it made me laugh when I wrote it, the the how much uh, gasoline that woman pours all over herself as well in brackets I put in this economy just because <laughs> just, be- <laughs> just because <laughs> the prices of uh, of gas are quite ridiculous yeah, at this <laughs> at time of recording. <laughs> I will say as a positive, as a positive, I do appreciate that this does not also take place over the 4th of July. Um, yes. That it goes a different direction of like, oh, you know, Michael's becoming an adult and him and his friends are into doing stuff on the water. And mm. um, the moment that you said is really good where uh, it's, it's emulating the beach, the 4th of July scene, they do mm-hmm. a really great, really subtle callback that I think is my favorite bit of quote fan service in the thing, which is Michael Brody is painting one of the, the like circus tent changing room things. Mm. And then he looks out at the water and there's this subplot that him and Larry jr. Are competing for the affections of this one woman's cousin who's visiting Mm -hmm. for the holiday. And he sees Larry Jr. and the cousin like on a boat and they're screaming, but the scream draws his attention. And there's like a, it's not quite a dolly zoom, but they, they like subtly zoom in on him. And it Mm. just, it feels kind of like the Kittner attack in that moment too, but it's a false alarm. It's a really great one fake out and two little subtle nod to like where this had come from. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do a lot of, really great stuff great stuff in that scene that that i definitely appreciate and i i don't think i picked up on on that moment specifically but yeah, yeah i even just the 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 setup of of that bit just feels very same but different and mm-hmm. it would have been super on the nose if it had been fourth of july uh, yeah. again so I'm, I'm glad they didn't do that and also this idea of same but different Amity is a very, very different place. I mean, we talked about how much time these, you know, is spent in the film with these kids out on their boats. Well, yeah, it changed coasts. Yeah, <laughs> yes, Florida instead of <laughs> instead of Mother's Vineyard. Um, Was it Florida? But they, I thought they filmed it in California. Yeah, I think, oh, maybe it's California. Apologies if it is California and I. <laughs> I someone said Florida to me on Twitter and that made me... Uh, um, where was Jaws too? Confused me. Oh yeah, I guess it was uh, filmed in Florida. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they the the um 
side note and probably not intended but the 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 kid when she's talking about the tower she's like they have these in florida yes she yeah that's why i thought it was in i thought i had i had heard they had filmed it in in california anyway yeah anyway (laughs) yeah so okay i guess it didn't change coasts necessarily uh though it is much sunnier um (laughs) it's a much sunnier town than it previously was yeah (laughs) It is. And, uh, yeah, very different in terms of their, um, I guess, uh, feelings towards uh, water-based activities as well. Like, Mm -hmm. this is now something that they spend all of their time doing. There is a lot of, like, you know, the kids on the boats and this... Even Amity PD, they have a a boat. (laughs) I really love their little police boat. You know, the kids water pursuits is like what they do to socialize they're like let's all go out and hang out on our boats mm-hmm. so it it not sort of taking the exact blueprint of jaws i think is very smart in in a lot of ways and because you try there are sequels that just try to completely rehash the the original looking at you jurassic world mm-hmm. uh looking at you a little bit the force awakens which is in many ways beat for beat a new hope uh <laughs> there's films that that sort of do that same but different thing in a way that's a, that's a lot more on the nose this does at least feel like a very very different film and this sense that everyone else in amity has kind of moved on apart from brody who is really stuck in in what happened to him but has also changed changed as well just maybe not not for what am i trying to say like he still holds on to a lot of that that fear and paranoia based on what happened because while he was away at sea everyone else in amity was kind of merrily living their life so they have been able to move on a hell of a lot quicker and he is still holding on to a lot of a lot of that stuff and approaches this situation in a in a very very different way um yeah i i think it's interesting too because um I think you can draw a direct line to stuff like Jaws and Jaws 2 uh, from the films mm-hmm. of Roger Corman in the in the 50s and 60s. Um, so Roger Corman, uh, it, he operated American International Pictures, AIP, and they are sort of the pioneers of one, grindhouse films, and two, just genre, like the mainstreaming of like more genre fare in general. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And... Jaws is at squarely genre fair, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But they got their start. The, like what put AIP on the map was the teen beach party movie. And where Jaws is homages to the sort of more monstery horror elements of the AIP stuff. Um, and I think Spielberg worked on a couple AIP movies. I know Scorsese did. His first movie, Who's That Knocking at My Door, was released through AIP. Um, Mm. and, uh, this kind of leans into the beach party hot rod aspect, right? Like it's, I mean, it would not feel out of place if like Michael and Larry Jr. had a drag race in this movie. Mm. (laughs) And, um, it's really interesting to kind of see like, okay, well, Jaws was, it wasn't like a movie quote for adults because it definitely captured the mind of like children and teenagers, uh, in 1975 but it's a very adult movie as far as that stuff is concerned it deals with very like adult issues and it's about three adult men there aren't really 
too many compelling young people in the movie that don't immediately get eaten. And um, <laughs> so this film kind of takes a new direction of it too, of like, what if, what if shark in one of those teen beach party movies? And I think that's a really good idea on paper. Mm, um, it's a mm-hmm. little shaky in execution. It feels a little, how do I say this without sounding like a psycho? Uh, it feels a little less committed to the bit than I feel like it should be. So like every time someone makes a comment about like a woman's body or something, there's someone else there who's like, Oh, do you have to talk like that? And it's like, well, (laughs) I I don't know that a teen beach party movie would have been this progressive about, about about how this would be, nor do I, nor am I necessarily certain that a bunch of blue collar uh, island dwelling teens would be this uh, progressive about (laughs) the way they're they're speaking to each other. But I, I guess I digress, I suppose. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. It's let me find the, the, message actually because i think this this made a really good point um chris who was supposed to supposed to come on as a guest on this episode but because we had to sort of record a bit on the fly uh based on when i had a <laughs> a spare hour or so in in the house um he sent his thoughts over and it's something that that certainly relates to that i mean he thinks less of this film than we do or that's the sort of impression that i get anyway but he made an interesting point that um all non-jaws shark films are actually a rip-off or bad evolution from jaws 2 not jaws and i think there's a, a very interesting point in that that this sort of teen beach party idea and the shark is just crashing that party I've watched enough crappy shark films in my life to know that that is almost exactly what a lot of those films go for is a lot of girls in bikinis, guys with eight or 10 packs or something having a good time on the beach. And then a shark shows up and just starts picking them off one by one. I mean, that's what a lot of the sort of, you know, teen teens away at camp Mm -hmm. slasher films Mm -hmm did as well as is just putting a shark in as the as the killer um and it his his point is that you know jaws is jaws is not a shark film it's barely a shark film i agree with that point wholeheartedly a jaws 2 is a shark film the characters are secondary um and this sort of evolution of of shark films being what they are has kind of come from jaws 2 rather than jaws and I think that's a really interesting and a really interesting thought and was something I was considering when I when I was watching it this time around as well is you can draw those lines much clearer from Jaws 2 to those other shark films, those sort of cheaply made, you know, not even B movies, sort of Z movies yeah. that get churned out, you know, a couple every year or so with some variation of the Jaws font on their poster and you're going to need a bigger something yeah, yeah, yeah. inserted into into the dialogue in the film. Like, yes, that's taking something from Jaws. But Jaws is a film that is not a shark film. It is so many more, th- more, so many more things. And Jaws 2 is a shark film and I kind of wish it wasn't because the mm-hmm. things I like about it are not the shark, <laughs> necessarily. I hope that made some sense. I, I, was, yeah. I thought... 
definitely include that thought from Chris because obviously he was meant to be on this episode and would have loved to have dived into that uh, a, a bit more. But and it, a very interesting thought, I I think. Yeah, that's true because I do think that they did go out of their way to cast like hot people in this in this movie. Mm. Like the the Jaws two cast is much more attractive than the Jaws 1 cast on the whole, I think. Um, <laughs> because it was a lot of just, like, dudes who lived in Martha's Vineyard and weren't actually actors. <laughs> and these, like, all of these people look like they were lifted out of 70s boy bands. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, fun note that I just learned is that Mark Gruner, who played uh, Teenage Mike, this was his last role ever. It's his huh. only major film role. And... Uh, that was it. <laughs> wow. Yep. Huh. He's also in Fantastic Planet, which is insane to me. Huh. Yep. Did not know that. <laughs> yep. He's got he's got six credits uh, on IMDb. Uh, four of them are for TV related series or TV movies. One of them is the English dub of the film Fantastic Planet, and the other is teenage mike brody and that's the last one what a career uh <laughs> yep went out on a high note that one yeah for sure <laughs> um yeah so it <clears throat> all that said i think that that the idea it, it the idea the seed of a good idea is there which is like i said what if beach party but shark but then mm-hmm. you've still got the dangling thread of Brody and what to do with him. So the movie feels kind of at odds with itself is what to focus on. And that really becomes apparent in the back half where, okay, so Brody fires this gun full of poison bullets, by the way, um, in into the ocean uh, in front of a packed beach. And then mm. he gets fired, even though he has dubious at best i would say as it within the eyes of the law evidence of the shark which is just in a super blurry photo um <laughs> and so he gets fired and then he just kind of hangs out and like talks shit about ellen's boss and that's basically all he does until he fights fights the shark at the end and then but then from there it like tries to focus on the teenagers but it hasn't developed any of the teenagers that well aside from like Mm -hmm. mike and larry jr like this one girl but like that's it that's all i know about mike and all i know about larry jr and then there's like the kid who looks like the the nerdy kid from uh 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 uh, cobra kai that hangs out with the kid who looks like napoleon dynamite but (laughs) their story goes nowhere and like now all these people are on the ocean and we know the shark is out there, but I don't care about any of them. And like the most compelling group of that is is was it Eddie? Is that his name? The yes. guy who gets eaten. Eddie yeah. and what's her name? Do you remember? Tina. Eddie and Tina. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Tina's great. She's the best teenage actress in the film. She's really yeah. good. She's might be the best performance besides Brody in the film, actually. Um, yeah she's the one who has the like the the shark moment isn't she where yeah. she just does the like sh- 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 shark yeah. <laughs> but like she screams she screams it as well she really sells that line <laughs> yeah yeah she's really great and then when they find her hiding on the boat and she's like in shock and mm-hmm. um like total ptsd like from that point and kind of stays that way the rest of the film her like her trauma acting is really good 
Um, yeah. And I think has she has the most range out of any of the teenage performers. So it kind of sucks that she's removed from all the rest of them <laughs> who are just relegated mm. to, like, hanging out and screaming and that's their <laughs> characters yeah there's uh, one of my my notes is that there are entirely too many characters in this film mm. and if we think about you know the 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 core characters of of jaws like obviously there's there's certainly more in the first half and then the the second half is just the three guys and the shark and that is it and it really that second half hones in so much on this these characters and we really get to explore them and and get to know them and learn about them without tons of 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 backstory and exposition but we we get all of that just by the way they interact with each other i couldn't tell you the names of half of these kids i know both of the brody kids are there you know i i know them based on like description or some there's one who does like a mad winston churchill impression oh which, yeah that's uh, the kid from uh, cobra kai <laughs> i've not seen cobra kai okay. so i don't know but yeah i him the napoleon dynamite guy that's also what i call <laughs> i called him in my notes yep. there's jackie i think that's the girl that um that mike is uh mike brody is interested in i want to say um she has an excellent scream, is what I will say about her. Um, but again, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you anything about about these characters, and 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 Jaws really balances those kind of quirky townsfolk characters in the yeah. in the beginning. You know, we get a passing line here and there, and a couple of big moments with sort of more major characters like Ellen, like Larry, and and then it sort of shifts, but. This, I think I've I've as you were talking there, I've sort of zeroed in on why Jaws two doesn't necessarily work. It is two films, and both of those films work independently of each other. Mm-hmm. So on the whole, I enjoy it. Do they work together? Absolutely not. The the Brody battling his his PTSD and his journey that's a whole film and that's a film i'm very interested in and i enjoy watching the other part of it is these group of teens being terrorized by a shark oh. and getting sort of picked off one by one in very gruesome ways and, and screaming a lot do i enjoy that absolutely do these things work together no because <laughs> it just doesn't know how to join those two things and i think it could have done that if it had just slimmed down that cast of teenage characters yeah. by quite a bit you can trim a lot of that fat you can have i don't even think you need both of the brody kids there i really don't i think you can have <clears> one <throat> of the brody kids so we've got a, a a recognizable face and name and personal stakes for brody as well the reason why he would put himself out there but it doesn't seem like Bro- that Michael being out there is like the main driving force for Brody. It is the sort of thing that gets him onto the boat to to even go out and try and find them in the first place. But then a bunch of other stuff happens. We have a helicopter that gets eaten by the shark. Yeah, like there's yeah. so much, <laughs> which is great. I love that moment. Do not get me wrong. Yeah. I love all of the moments in this film. So I say to people, I really enjoy Jaws too because I do. But it just it's a mess. <laughs> Like together, those things just don't 
kind of losing my mind just thinking about it a little bit at the moment of how much those two things do not work together and yet it just slaps them together and goes here's Jaws 2 you're going to enjoy it and I do and I hate myself for it <laughs> um, <laughs> that's just me having a breakdown sure, on the yeah. podcast <laughs> I don't know what to do with the way that ended <laughs> oh. I, had a, I had a whole bit about the kid who plays Michael's best friend but I don't think we're there anymore. <laughs> no, you can take it back there. It's fine. Um, I'll uh, I'll recover. <laughs> that kid too. Like he's like so he's 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 essentially right. So I think the other thing they're trading in on. Let me make sure I have my. Oh, I meant to drop this in the Discord. I'm all discombobulated right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> so that's the kid from Cobra Kai on the top, and then that's the kid in. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I see it. Yep. Um, <laughs> I think the other thing they're trading in on, yeah, definitely the other thing they're trading in on is the popularity of Happy Days. And Mm. uh, that show was, once again, an institution uh, to the point where just more more kids who look like other kids uh, in this. (laughs) But if you're unfamiliar with Happy Days, there's the character of Ralph Malf who looks exactly like Brody's friend, Michael Brody's friend, Andy. Um. <laughs> yeah. So that kid is supposed to be, and like he he his first line is like a super mean joke about blind dates uh and like a, a shot at blind people which it does make me a terrible person cuz it has made me laugh both times even though I know it's very mean. Um it's it's such a mean-spirited joke and a, I also laughed. It's such a mean-spirited <laughs> joke but it also comes out of nowhere. Like yeah. it feels like it feels so out of place in a movie from this time period too. Like, I maybe it's because the kid has like big Seth Rogen energy, so like it feels like something that should be in a Seth Rogen movie, but it's in Jaws two for mm. some reason, and it's like right <laughs> on the heels of Brody Cat calling this underage girl, and you're like, what is happening? Like it's just so, <laughs> like so insane to have this stuff in a Jaws movie <laughs> when like mm. Jaws <laughs> is. Uh, is very uh not that and uh, <laughs> arguably like it, it feels very not necessarily progressive but it just steers away from a lot of those like 70s movies things that make 70s movies age like garbage and mm. this just like it has a bunch right out the gate <laughs> yeah that of uh... It's such a when I rewatched it uh, a little while ago. Um, that, I think this was before you'd watched it. That joke, I was just like, I know that is going to make MJ laugh. <laughs> MJ laugh, and we will hate ourselves for yeah. it because it is. <laughs> it did. It made me laugh. It made me laugh harder the first time because it was so unexpected, and then I was like, Oh, I forgot about that, and that still made yeah. me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go watch Jules too, guys, if you haven't seen it yeah. because. <laughs> A lot of good stuff in there. But, a lot of wild so, stuff. So <laughs> here's the thing, and this might be uh, uh, a spot for us to kind of bring it in for a landing a little bit. All that kind of stuff in Jaws 2 is what makes me like Jaws 3 more than I like Jaws 2. And not to tip, I... not to tip my hand about where we're going with the next episode <laughs> you'll be hearing, but 
I think Jaws 3 understands that stuff a lot better than Jaws 2 does and leans into it more and actually has more of an identity as a result of that than Jaws 2. So like Jaws <laughs> 2, I just don't really know what the movie is ultimately kind of trying to say. And I'm not saying Jaws 3 has anything to say, but it knows it. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to unpack that idea. <laughs> idea uh because i have a lot of thoughts on jaws 3 i'm gonna try and go into it with that mindset i think i just need to in my approach to it i need to think about it as a big dumb shark movie because it absolutely is uh in so many ways it is jaws in name only and there's a brody in it that's it there's two brodies (laughs) in it yeah, the, yeah, they're both in it. There's no, there's no Ellen. Uh, yeah. She cut, she comes back for for Jaws: The Revenge, but there are no recognizable Jaws faces. Yeah, I don't believe there is any single person reprising their role. But we do get a coked up Dennis Quaid. Uh, yeah, we do fighting a shark in an aquarium. Yeah, which is ludicrous uh in every possible way and i i will go into it with the idea of of having fun with it uh because i I watched all the jaws sequels when i was like at the the peak of my jaws obsession when i was like there's more jaws films i can't wait to watch them watch jaws 2 had a good time with it because it's got roy scheider in it watched jaws 3 and i was like oh no (laughs) because there is so little of that connective tissue with jaws that it just was very jarring to me to, <laughs> to watch it. Um, isn't freaking... Oh gosh, what's her name? Is Marty McFly's mom in Jaws 3 as well? Leah Thompson? Hmm. Yeah, she is. Leah Thompson is in it. Yeah, her first, um, her first role, I think. Oh, is it? I think so, yeah. I'm sure I, I unleashed that fact on Martin one day and he was very impressed, but... <laughs> yeah um yeah jaws 3 is crazy but we'll talk about that in a couple weeks uh sarah did you have anything else on jaws 2 oh i mean I, <laughs> I do have quite a lot of things i i mentioned a little bit how much i dislike uh the sort of the the final climactic moment um i would just like to say on a podcast that open wide and say ah is not a substitute for smile you son of a bitch oh yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) it just isn't they try they try so hard to make that another moment and it completely falls flat because several reasons just not a good line is is one two the shark being electrocuted is absolutely hilarious not because i like seeing sharks die quite the opposite but it's just a very funny way for things to end um and also just because Roy Scheider is not selling that line nope. at all <laughs> at that point. He doesn't care. There are not the same stakes that that we've had in in Jaws because he he wasn't there for the whole thing. Like he shows up and he saves the day, but he's not he's not part of it. He's not out on those rafts like battling for his life that like the kids are. Yeah. He just kind of like shows up, shows up to be the hero, and it just doesn't. That moment just does not work 
<laughs> for me at all. It really ends things on quite a sour note as well because I, like I said, I enjoy those two separate elements of the film. I enjoy the the Brody suffering with PTSD, and I enjoy the this. These are not two things that people should enjoy. I enjoy a person suffering with PTSD, and I enjoy teenagers getting eaten by a shark. Sure. Uh, in the context of Jaws, not in real in, life. in real life. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it just it it not sticking that landing is something that's just very upsetting (laughs) it doesn't tie those things together nicely um i've got a couple of uh with my uh minute by minute breakdown hat on uh as well as the absolutely ludicrous uh lawn decoration that brody has um we get a couple of times the the matt hooper uh scream sound Mm used did you pick up on that it happens very early in the so you know the sort of like muffled scream mm -hmm. uh when he in the cage i think there that bit yeah um from from jaws it's i've got the the timestamp it's like 317 uh minutes into the film so when the sort of the divers find the not orca um when they're attacked i i swear it's the exact exact same sound and it's not the last time it's used in the film. Um, do you notice? We get a. Do you notice the shark roar in this one? Yeah, I can't. I didn't note down the timestamp, but I, I sure did notice the <laughs> shark roar in this. I think it only gets roarier, not a word, yeah. as the as the series progresses because Jaws, Jaws four, Jaws roar, if you yeah, will, there is. We go. <laughs> The, it's the rawiest and the jawsiest <laughs> of them all. Uh, you still haven't seen that yet, have no, you? No, that's the only one I haven't seen. Oh, I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. <laughs> I like it more than Jaws 3 because it's wild. Uh, we'll, we'll get I'm there. I'm very excited because I <laughs> In love a few Jaws weeks. 3 because of how wild Jaws 3 is. So if you're telling me that Jaws oh. 4 is wilder, then I'm very excited. It's bananas. It really is. Um, uh, yeah. So it's, it's <laughs> so the shark roars in the when it when it attacks the water skier is when we hear it roar. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I I still enjoy that scene. So maybe I just <laughs> I certainly picked up on it, but I wasn't like roaring shark yeah. in my notes or anything. Uh, we we see Ben Gardner's boat. Mm-hmm. Did you did you get a twenty twenty eight twenty one ish into the film? The kids just like kicking back on a beach, and there's like the wreckage of Ben Gardner's boat is on the beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite enjoyed that. Uh, there are certain like small moments of, of things that relate to the first film that I, that I appreciate that are subtle, that don't feel like super fan servicey because it is believable that that boat would have rocked up on the beach and, and stayed there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not kind of like plopped there. Like, well, remember that thing from that thing you like, it doesn't feel like that. Yeah, I mean, even having the, like, the way they wrote Matt out is, is I think, really solid. Like, if they couldn't get Dreyfus to come back or whatever, and so yeah. you have to write him out. It's a perfectly good reason to have him not be there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like that he gets a little, I like that he gets a little mention. It's sort mm-hmm. of like, Ellen takes the call, and it's like, that's that's Hooper. He's on he's on the Aurora, I think, which yeah. is the, the expedition that he was going to go yeah. on uh, when he rocked up at Amity, so... I like that for him. I like that he got to go and hang out with his sharky pals yeah. uh, do, uh, <laughs> on the Aurora do eventually. Do you know how long after Jaws this takes place? Hmm. They do say, I think it 
is it's a few years, which is a very vague yeah. way of me covering up while I look it up. <laughs> I would say it's minimum four, right? Like if we think that Michael's like twelve. Hmm. So I've just looked. 17? He's seventeen in this. Okay. So yeah, like five, four. I can't do math quick. Five years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but we don't know that he's that twelve. I'm just guessing. I'm like around. He's he's somewhere between ten and thirteen. I think. Um. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And it's it. Uh, Sean is ten in this, which would make him like five in the. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah, that makes I think. sense. Yeah, yeah. So for four, four to six years, let's say yeah. this this takes place after. There might be something in the film that I didn't. Rem- I don't remember seeing any dates. Yeah, I also don't or remember. anything. Yeah. Um, I also wasn't watching it minute by minute, so <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it for my references to to Jaws. Uh, Mrs. Taft, she's there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, is she married to someone else? Because Mr. Taft is nowhere to be yeah, seen. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Yeah. Uh, Theories welcome. Yeah. Where is Mr. Taft? <laughs> I uh, I really hate the line, anyone want to play charades? Um, just the worst. Just the worst. I really, I really wish that kid would have gotten eaten. Yeah. There's uh, some quite terrible lines in this film i think that's Um, another criticism i have is this is gonna sound real crazy i don't think enough of those kids (laughs) died to like like if you if you look at the slasher movies that this inspires slash was inspired by they all die like all but one of them Mm -hmm. get killed to death and like almost none of them in this movie die and so it's a little it feels because they don't do enough with the the tension building that Jaws 1 has, this mm-hmm. feels like it's kind of playing with kid gloves on because it doesn't commit to killing as many characters. So, right, the two ways to do it is, like, kill a bunch of people or build up these scenes where you think someone's going to get killed and then maybe kill them, maybe not, but the, the thrill and spectacle lies in the buildup there. So the movie opts to not mm. do the buildup, but then to make up for that with the thrill and spectacle, you need to have a higher body count, I think. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. also, there's plenty of them. Like, it, it almost yeah. feels like that was the original intent was to have the shark kill, like, a lot of people. And then, for whatever reason, like, studio, like, because this is pre-Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and stuff like that. So, and even sort of pre-Halloween. So, like, it almost feels like the studio was like, well, that's maybe too dark or, like, it won't do well with audiences or what. So... It, just, it feels mm-hmm. like the amount of kids on that beach should be far less than it is by the time credits roll. Yeah, I agree. And because <laughs> it's going to sound even worse, because they're sort of these people who we don't really get much of a sense of, of their personality yeah. or their characters or their backstories, I'm absolutely fine with more of them dying. Yeah. As long as you leave the Brody, as long as you leave the Brodies alone, yeah, kill them all off for all I care. Yeah, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I feel like Larry Jr. should have died. Absolutely. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he sucks, but like, also, it just makes sense narratively if you're gonna put like any sort of emotional stakes hurt. Because like, that's the other thing is Larry has Larry Senior has like no stakes in this whatsoever. He has like basically no mm. story 
Um, there's one great moment of visual storytelling where it's like he's framed by money at the beginning. Yes. Um, like the money tree. Yeah. yeah. And so I really like that, but they don't do enough with him. Like it, it almost feels like they didn't really know what to do with that character if they couldn't do the mafia thing. And it's, mm-hmm. you can see shades of that because I think that Ellen's boss is kind of supposed to be the mafia guy. Um, but they yeah. abandon that. So that like all that's kind of a dangling thread. And it's just like, it's just sloppy, left and right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did Did your version of Jaws two have the bit where it's it's when he kind of confronts the 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 committee, um, and shows them the photo of the shark, and it's it's right after that that they 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 vote to get rid of Brody, and Larry is the only one who doesn't vote him out. He mm-hmm. votes to keep him. I did not notice that. Does your so I didn't realize that there were different different versions of this until someone let me know about it on Twitter. Let me get it so I can find so I can credit uh, properly. Uh, at that Jack Bennett um, tweeted us to say that saw it on TV. Discovered recently that my favorite moment isn't in the movie, uh, just the TV cut when Larry is the only vote that keeps Brody, um, and then. I've definitely seen that and I can't remember if if I saw it in the version that I watched this time around. I watched it on on Prime, Amazon Prime, but I've definitely seen that moment before. And it it's a shame if that bit isn't in some cuts of it because it does that adds something to Larry who otherwise does very very little in this film. It feels like a a pivotal moment like we get that moment in Jaws when he sort of is like my kids were on that beach too. And we just see like a, a scrap of humanity in Larry. That kind of being the only person to sort of want to keep Brody, I think adds something to to that character yeah. where, you know, with the film otherwise kind of giving him nothing really. And I'm glad you picked up on that him being framed by money thing because it's one of the first things I wrote down. It's a... It's like a little on the nose, but it's also like they're talking about a money tree. There's not just money on a tree yeah. for no reason. They they have this whole story and it's it's just a very kind of like simple bit of visual storytelling, which is like him framed by money is clearly the thing that still drives him and, and rather than the sort of tourism they're now it is it they're trying to sell like real estate yeah. or they talk about like condos yeah, I think and stuff. To get real estate sold. Yeah, because he is a realtor as well, yeah, so yeah. it it, it tracks. But yeah, they're trying to. I think what they're trying to get is is more sort of investment, and they've just they're opening a hotel. That's what's happening at the start. Mm-hmm. So it's you know clearly money is is a big driver. But it just again, it doesn't lean into those things that I find interesting as much as I as much as I wish it did. And I, I think we will <laughs> we'll bring this in for landing now. I'm sorry for adding all of my uh, yeah, yeah. rogue notes that I, that I had on Jaws, but I I do still enjoy this film. I do think it is better than it has absolutely any right to be, uh, considering that Jaws is the greatest film of all time, to follow that up, it's never going to be as good. So the fact that it is even watchable is kind of a miracle to me. Um, and it is only in sort of talking talking about it now and, and dissecting it under this sort of slightly different lens, having now gone through Jaws in, in the way that we've done, that I've noticed how I enjoy so many individual elements of the film, but they don't add up together to make something that is 
great. And I it'll be interesting to see how I land on Jaws 3 following this because it absolutely does know what film it's trying to be mm-hmm. and it is that wholeheartedly. Whereas I think Jaws 2 is trying to be two things and it does those things well, therefore making a film that I enjoy watching, but it doesn't tie things together as coherently as I wish it had done. I am just so much more interested in our Jaws 2 (laughs) that we've kind of come up with, which is this, either there is no shark or it's a shark that only Brody is kind of seeing until the very end and, and that idea and really, really exploring that idea of him morphing into Quint almost and, and how PTSD affects someone yeah. and in, in different ways and similar ways and how those experiences of Jaws shaped him. That's the, that's the film that I am most invested in. And we get that, we get a tease of that and then it becomes this whole other thing, which is very entertaining Great set pieces, including the the sort of jet ski chase sequence. I enjoy mm-hmm. the helicopter bit is mad, mm-hmm. and I love it. Uh, a lot of kind of like great moments, some really good kind of gory death scenes as well. <laughs> Not to sound like a psycho again, but sort of like screaming teenagers in peril mm-hmm. is just quite an enjoyable thing if you like a slasher film that's what you're there for so a lot of elements that i enjoy that i i wish was better but that i still enjoy (laughs) yeah i mean i i'm sort of i don't know i just think it's largely kind of boring because it doesn't commit that hard to either one i think any sequel to jaws needs to be super dark and Mm. this isn't a very dark movie at all like i would say it's arguably lighter in tone than even jaws and Mm. jaws isn't like the darkest movie i've ever seen so it uh yeah i don't know i just think if you're gonna do the brody paranoia thing he needs to be like a real creep like not 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 necessarily like really leaning into like pursuing a relationship with that underage girl or cheating on ellen or anything like that but he needs to be like really Mm. like more unlikable than he is um mm-hmm. in this movie and then if you're gonna do the like teenage beach party but slasher shark a lot more of those kids need to die and neither <laughs> one of those things happens in this movie so it's just kind of like there it just kind of exists mm. and mm-hmm. i was just largely like didn't care about anything that happened to for for large parts of the movie there's some decent visual storytelling like the thing with the money there's this really great edit where we first see the kids on boats and um it's like they're on the beach they're getting ready to leave they leave we see them on boats and the the music is like very um kind of back half of jaws to jaunty like kids are gonna Mm, go out on boats mm -hmm. uh type of thing and then as soon as we see all the boats in there like on the on the ocean all the sails look like shark fins and Mm -hmm. there's a little bit of like a variation on the jaws theme that john williams sneaks in it's like a couple uh it's it's maybe one bar maybe two bars and it's just this little subtle string like low string thing that he does when Mm. we see that and i was like oh that's great i really that's my favorite bit of like technical filmmaking in the in the movie that john williams was like Mm. i'm gonna get cheeky with this (laughs) (laughs) 
it do, I do really enjoy the score as well. It's one that I'm quite interested in picking up on vinyl. Yeah. I'm sure it exists um, somewhere. It's because it would have been the easy way out to just do Jaws but not mm-hmm. score. And it, it is that. It has elements that are recognisable, but it also isn't it, it it is a great score in its own yeah. in its own it right has its it own has identity. different themes yeah there, and even like variations on the familiar as well like the jaws theme you know the quote jaws theme does not sound the same mm-hmm. as the jaws theme from from jaws you know don't call it jaws one from jaws it like it is it just doesn't have that same sinister dark deep sound to it like we're at the point where you know, we have seen that. So that same score isn't going to have that that same effect. It needs to be something different now. This is a different Jaws. This is the sequel. It is not Jaws. So doing something a little bit different with it, I think, is is commendable. I think that without the John Williams score, I... I don't know. <laughs> we we obviously we have some films that are uh, sons Williams yeah. uh, to come. So, but I, I like that it is there, and I like that it is different. I think it's a very underrated score. Yeah, actually. I think so too. It's kind of a it's kind of a hidden gem within his uh, his his film. Mm. Um, yeah, we'll get there. But I feel like 1941 is also a hidden gem within his, his filmography. 1941 yeah, has a really I, good score. That's a film, a Spielberg I've not seen. So we. <laughs> I've not seen it, but I went to like a uh, the local orchestra in Bakersfield did a John Williams night, and they did they oh, did the fun. 1941 overture, and I was like, "Whoa, I've never heard this!" And this is one of my favorite pieces of John Williams music now. That's very cool. <laughs> yeah, um, hmm. I might do something that I quite often do, which is listen to a score before I watch a hmm. <laughs> before I watch a film. Um, cause I quite enjoy listening to a film score while I work. Yep. Um, yeah, should we? Did you? Did you have anything else? So we can uh, we can read out some some thoughts yeah, from the, yeah. the LJ we, uh, fam. We, fam. We asked for uh, thoughts from you guys, so uh, Sarah has compiled those tweets. I have, yeah, some interesting thoughts in here, and some some that I agree with, and some that I don't. But this is this is great. This is why we <laughs> we ask for for people's thoughts and opinions on these things. Um, so uh, Jamie McGuire on Twitter said that this used to be his favorite Jaws Whoa. movie. So. Fair play, honestly. If you love something and and you are willing to defend it in that way, I respect it. Um, it said that it's clever to clever to bring in the youth element, much like how the Ewoks were brought in to make uh, Return of the Jedi appealing to a younger audience. A mm-hmm. uh, few more hints of the mafia element with Len, uh, and much nicer beaches in Florida. I mean, there's nice beaches in Martha's Vineyard as well. So. Well, yeah, <laughs> but the, the water is significantly more tropical. That was the thing that I noticed. Yeah, it's like much bluer sure. and way less choppy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want the, the good people of Martha's Vineyard to come for me, seeing as we know some people who are local sure. to that area. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I that sort of thing about the, the youth element, that is... That's a good point. Mm-hmm. I and that is something that that we that we said that that we liked about it, sort of bringing in that, you know, it's not three old guys on a boat. It is this sort of younger younger crowd, so it is different and it is sort of appealing to a different demographic. And you can see what films came as a as a result of that. Um, uh, friend of the pod, previous guest uh, Chandru Ravindran also got in touch. Uh, he said a hot take. Uh, I find the emotional throughline in Brody's story to be more powerful in Jaws 2 than in Jaws. 
Uh, it's not better because it's not really much of an arc. Uh, Brody doesn't really change throughout Jaws 2, but I find his PTSD in the first half of the film to be super moving. I agree with that for the most part. <laughs> I do think I do think Brody has a stronger arc in Jaws, but I do like what this film what this film does. I think does the with arc Brody. is so strong in Jaws that it really informs and carries through. Like you can infer things that are not necessarily shown through the script sure. or yeah. um, uh, even Schrader's performance from even his performance in Jaws 1. So. Yeah. I think if you just if you just watched Jaws 2 with no prior knowledge of Jaws, a lot of that, that nuance in his performance would not be there yeah. because it's reliant on so much of that context. Yeah. But yeah, I, I like, I appreciate the appreciation for, for Brody. Always. Um, another previous guest um, at Dazza Loves Movie uh, he said I think it's a fun film it doesn't try to be the original but instead throws our characters into a slasher yes with a psycho shark the teens are fun and Jackie is an awesome screamer Uh, did her and Chrissy know it was a film because they seem really realistic in their terror (laughs) that's funny they are both (laughs) Jackie has a fantastic scream I rewatched some clips again today she's the the cousin right yes yeah fantastic again i mean it's i think um the the gal i can't remember tina yeah she is a better actress uh but jackie has the best screen. jackie we'll give has a really good moment at the end when everything's done where she like breaks down crying laughing mm, um, that's really mm-hmm. that's really good yeah it's very brody's elation at the end of uh, end of mm. jaws but not quite <laughs> without the caring as much about the character yeah. element uh moving on uh at foxy snob said uh it's never going to be as good as the original but it's a fun movie with some great shark kills and i always like the suspense of the kids all trapped on the sailboats all in all a decent sequel um and finally at the marco guy said while obviously nowhere near as good as the original i still remember it being a decently fun monster movie um yeah, thank you everyone yeah. for for getting in touch. We'll try we'll try and make this more of a thing. I think as we're sort of talking about a whole a whole last film rather than a minute, it's a little bit easier to uh, collate people's thoughts on a on a film rather than what do you think about this very specific minute yeah, of film. Yeah, yeah, that would have been some um, real psycho <laughs> to, to, to ask of you guys. I don't know, kind of intrigued by it. <laughs> we got a lot of that post the episodes going up where people would be like then sharing their thoughts on it, which of course we appreciate as well and this is kind of new new and uncharted territory for us as we we figure out the future of of lj fam uh obviously it's still very jaws uh related at the Mm. moment as we're talking about the the sequels but yeah i i always appreciate sort of getting different different viewpoints and what and what people think about the film so yeah we'll we'll try and we'll try and keep that up because we we love we love hearing from from the listeners yeah and uh speaking of the future of lj fam uh this is so if you're listening to this on the day it came out happy fourth of july um did you think we weren't going to come back on the fourth of july that like, <laughs> it, it, ha- it has to be the fourth of july that <laughs> lj fam resumes um but <laughs> That is not going forward the normal release date. We did it specifically for the holiday and how it's connected to Jaws. Um, So what does that look like going forward? Every other Friday. So um, this came out on the 4th of July. If the 4th of July were not happening, it would have come out this Friday, which would be the 8th. Um, And then every other week from there. So... 
the next episode you will hear about Jaws 3 will be on July 22nd of 2022. Obviously, this is archived. Plenty of you guys came to LJFAM very recently, like as recently as when it was on ITV last. Um, and so, <laughs> Just probably today. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, it's got to be on the 4th, right? I will personally write to the broadcasters uh, if it is not <laughs> i'm gonna check that out as soon as we get off this recording. the theater here that showed jaws on fourth of july last year is closed on fourth of july this year they decided to give their staff the holiday off which i like but also boo <laughs> yeah i think i'm just gonna watch it at, i think well i have no choice but to watch yeah. it at home i have a broken ankle yeah. what am i on about <laughs> Yeah, but it was cool. Like last year, I got to see it outdoors uh, on a big screen with fireworks everywhere. So um, I was kind of hoping for that this year. So every other Friday um, and then after the Jaws sequels, we will be doing the Spielberg. Um, are we taking a, a brief hiatus before we do all the Spielberg movies as well? Or do we know? I think it is ankle dependent. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we will see. I'm hoping I'm hoping not. I'm really, really hoping not. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, stay tuned to our socials. Um, you can find our socials on social media. Um, you can find us at, uh, at Jaws for a Minute at, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram. And there are links in our bio that are, they're called link trees, and they're just a tree of links of relevant information, such as where you can get the podcast, which is on your, any, basically any podcaster, podcatcher of your choice. Um, if you want to follow us personally, you can follow me at mjsmith891 on Twitter. You can follow me there on Instagram too, but I don't post. I will watch your story. I like watching stories, but, uh, yeah, you can follow, uh, Sarah on Twitter at Sarah Buttery, S-A-R-A-H-B-U-D-D-E-R-Y. Um, if you're not on the socials and you would like to get in contact with us, you can email us at minute at gmail.com. Um, if you would like to support the show, once again, all these links are in our link tree in our bio. You can, uh, the easiest way to do it, rate, review, share the episodes, uh, interact with us on the social medias. And, um, yeah, those are the easiest and freest ways to do that. Uh, that's, that's how we grow. That's how we get word of mouth. Um, that and Sarah live tweeting her way through every time Jaws is on ITV. <laughs> uh, it's a full-time yeah. job. Um, <laughs> If you would like some LJ Fam merch, you can purchase it on T Public and Redbubble, um, which once again, Linktree, uh, both designs. There are two excellent designs you can find from uh, our our friend friend of the pod, Alex at Hex Ghosts on Twitter. Um, if you'd like to purchase our banger of a theme song, which I'm sure you guys have missed over the last month, um, the theme song's not changing. By the way, I don't care. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can you can find that on uh on our link tree at Kristen Falls's Bandcamp. Uh if you'd like to follow her on Instagram at Kristen Falls Music. Um if you'd like to just buy us some coffee, uh we would we would greatly appreciate that. Um we have our coffee page, which is a three dollar minimum donation, and it's essentially just saying, hey, we appreciate what you do. Have have this on on me. But if you do donate and you're a new donator, uh donor i said donator last time too if you're a new donor uh you can you will be entered into a drawing to win a piece of lj fam merch when we hit certain donation goals if you're a previous donor you are already in there unless you have won previously already um 
Sarah, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I don't. It's been very, very quiet in Sarah land as I uh, still recover from my, my ankle break. But I will uh, plug the the last uh, podcast that I recorded <laughs> before breaking my ankle uh, quite spectacularly, um, where I spoke uh, at length about the Jaws sequels. I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, but it's called Unequal Sequel. Mm. Um and I, uh, I I call Jaws 2 my favourite sequel. Let it be known, there are better sequels than Jaws 2, but I decided to be very on-brand uh, for, for that show and talk about um, the good parts about Jaws 2 and... <clears throat> excuse me. And uh, the, the very, very bad parts about Jaws 3. Um, so if you're interested in hearing more of my thoughts on, uh, on the Jaws sequels, then you can, can check that out. But other than that, uh, mostly just been trying not to break any more limbs <laughs> yeah uh I, sp- I spoke to harley uh this week uh friend of the show harley mumford i will be so while well, i'm plugging i will be on fundamentals i think not till august though i'm talking about the elvis film slash uh biopics in general nice. as i think i am one of the few fans of that much maligned genre um <laughs> but he was recently on unequal sequels and he said that he very much appreciated your commitment to the bit of doing all the jaws. <laughs> Thank you, Harley. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, yeah. Other places you can find me, you can find me at real perspective. That's R E E L perspective. That's my other podcast. It is a, it, it, so that releases on the Fridays. You will not be hearing uh, LJ fam. So if you are, jonesing for my analysis uh then you can find me there on the same podcatchers when you hear this uh our obi-wan episode will have just come out spoilers it's bad uh our next episode will feature i believe our very own sarah buttery talking about uh stranger things so pod worlds will collide on on so excited yeah i'm excited too i need to finish part one before part two comes out oh tomorrow um (laughs) yeah (laughs) those episodes are long yeah they are and the final episode this season is two and a half hours i just a quick side note i well once I've watched it and once I'm on Real P, I can I will confirm then how long it takes me to watch that episode. Because uh, with a, a small and, and slightly excitable cockapoos puppy still uh, kicking about in buttery towers, it takes us twice as long to watch anything. Like when we settle down to watch something and it's both of us, it took us uh, around three hours, I think, to watch the, the hour and a half episode seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the last episode of Stranger Things is like two and a half hours long. So I I cannot wait for that to take us a full day to watch. Yeah, it will be a journey. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Will. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on a bunch of podcasts this month, by the way. So this recording is my third one this week. Um, I think in the next two weeks, I, actually, Sarah, I think you're coming on for this too to talk about plane movies on Movie Mavens. Not sure when that's happening. Ooh, um, yes. We'll be talking about Definitely Catch Me If You Can, and then I have not heard from them. So, uh, a, Snakes on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Snakes on a yeah. plane. <laughs> that's uh, that's what happened when I mentioned that they had not picked the uh, a second plane <laughs> movie. A- apropos of nothing, totally unprompted. Um, Sarah started chanting snakes on a plane. I will also be on um, 
Is her last name Comerford? Kira? Kira Comerford? The... Oh, yes, 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 yes. I do okay. know now. Yeah. Um, Sorry, Kira. <laughs> she, I will be on her <laughs> podcast, Anatomy of a Film Fan, to talk about five films that shaped me as a film fan. Spoilers, Jaws will not be on my list, because if you want to hear me talk about Jaws, there's a hundred hours of that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Jaws is obviously on that list, but anytime something like this happens, you're like, come talk about your favorites. Like, Jaws is... Jaws, I've made Jaws a lifestyle at this point so <laughs> it's a given yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's its own category um so yeah you can uh you can find me on that i'll tweet all those links out when they're happening because i don't know when they're actually coming out um i'm just recording all of those in the next like two to three weeks so i'm covering <laughs> my bases while i can um yeah that's it uh we'll see you guys in two weeks for jaws 3d um until then <laughs> It's Jaws O'Clock somewhere.